All right, if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2, that's where we're going to be at. And we're going to look at the incarnation today. Um, more specifically, we're going to look at Christ's humility that's shown through his incarnation. So what is the incarnation? Incarnation literal mean, literally means the infleshing of the eternal Son of God. So we as Christians believe that the second member of the Trinity, Jesus himself, became a man. He, he literally put on flesh and blood and, and came in likeness of us. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the incarnation of Christ. Let's read Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing that would be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So oftentimes when I think of the incarnation of Christ, um, I, I start thinking of his birth, right? So we think of Jesus coming as a, a cute little baby and he's, he's wrapped up in the swaddling clothes. He's laying in the manger and there's all these cute and cuddly animals around him. And so that's what I initially think about is the, the birth of Jesus, the initial coming of him um, and him indwelling flesh. But really when we think of the incarnation, we're talking about the entire fleshly dwelling of Christ. So his, his whole life, his birth, his ministry, and his death and um, Philippians 2 does a good job of, of bringing the entire humility of the incarnation together. And so that's why I want to look at this passage this morning. Is In these sh short few verses, we have the, a, a huge scope of Jesus coming and what all humility that involved. So first thing that Philippians um, 2 tells us is that he came in humility. It says that he didn't count equality a thing to be grasped, his equality with God. He was born in the likeness of men. So when we look at the, the birth of Christ, it, it just like is packed, filled with humility, right? So I mean, the, the coming as a baby um, and being born around stinky animals, um, really being born in an impoverished state and coming into this world. Um, the the guests at his birth were, were shepherd men. Um, the, really, the whole thing just just screams of, of humility. No, no other king comes into the world like that, right? Every other king, we've got, you know, prades, trumpets. They, they come and they're born into a, a palace and, and they've got a nice comfy bed. Um, not, not so with our king. He comes in complete humility. So that is how Christ came. Philippians goes on to tell us that Jesus also emptied himself by taking the form of of a servant. So not only was he, he born in humility, coming in the form of a baby in a manger, but he started to live his life out in humility. Now, now when we think about the whole life and the ministry of Christ, we really see this, right? I mean, like, who, who's Jesus' company? Who's he hanging out with? Lepers, diseased people, blind, the crippled, the tax collectors. He's hanging out with the worst of the worst, right? He's hanging out with people that no one would ever want to be seen with. Okay, that's our Jesus. Okay, he's got this humility, and he, he came to seek and save the lost. 
He came to to be there for the people who no one else would be there for. And we see this all throughout his ministry from the the get-go all the way to the very end. One of the last things we see Jesus doing is washing his disciples' feet. Like right before the cross, including Judas, right? The guy who's about to betray him. So his whole life, he is just pouring out himself. He's serving. He comes in, in complete humility. Um, but, it, but it doesn't stop there. Like that, that alone would be enough to say that this is the most humble man to ever live. He, he comes as a baby in a manger, not like any other king. He lives his life out in complete servanthood and empties himself for other, uh, others. But the last thing that Philippians mentions um, is more incredible than, than all the rest. And it's this, he, he died in humility. Is there any lower form of death than death on a cross? So Jesus, he, he, he is obedient to the point of death on the cross. He hangs there, right? He hangs there naked while people walk by. He hangs, there's a sign above him that says guilty. People are spitting on him, mocking him, beating him, right? So with the, the ultimate form of humility, Christ goes to, to the lowest possible place on earth and he, and he stands in the sinner's position. So con- considering all that, just take all of Christ's incarnation together, the humility in his birth, the humility in his life, and then the humility in his death. I want you to think of all that and try to just consider the, the length at which Christ came from heaven to earth. The, um, try to imagine the, the great chasm that, crossed, that, that Christ crossed to come down to our broken earth to rescue us. Um, and, and I would say this, like, we, we can try to, to put that in words. We can try to illustrate that, and I'm going to try here in a second. But really, nothing will do that justice, right? You, we can't compare that with anything. So we, we could say it would take a great amount of humility for um, an NFL quarterback. He's like the star of his team, getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play, to leave his career at, at the peak of his career when he's most successful, to leave that and to go coach peewee football. Like, that would take a lot of humility. And people would say, wow, that, look at what that guy did. He, he left, and he, he's, he's capable of doing this, but look, he stepped down, and he's doing this thing. Or like we could say the, the owner of a Fortune 500 company, okay, so making hundreds of million dollars a year, who would leave that company and set all that aside, all the privileges, all the wealth, all the success, set it aside, and then go flip burgers at a fast food joint. Like we could say that that would require a crazy amount of humility, okay? And I, and I know those are silly examples, but b- both of those would be pretty big examples of humility to us. But yet when they're compared to the incarnation and what Christ did, they can't even be considered lateral movements. I mean, you're not even talking a, like a small step down compared to what Christ did, okay? Because consider this, God, okay, that, that's who Jesus is, he's God. Okay, you can't get any higher than this. Okay, you can't get any above this. So we have God himself, okay, the, the highest, most glorious position, who lowers himself, not, not only to, to, to the likeness of human flesh, but he goes all the way to the cross, right? From the highest position to the lowest position. Okay, from, from glory, and king of kings, lord of lords, all over that, he goes from that all the way to the cross where he stands in the lowest position, my position. He stands in the position of guilty sinner and he takes God's full-on wrath, okay? Our minds can't even comprehend the amount of humility it takes to go from this degree all the way to this degree. And that's what Christ has done. 
Um, I think I think Philippians uh, paints a beautiful picture of the humility of Christ. Um, let's let's read verses nine and eleven. So this isn't where it ends, though. So it doesn't end with Christ's death. Verse nine. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what I think is cool about this is it shows us what, what's the end of Christ's humility? Glory. That, that's where his humility leads. So he, he came in humility, he lived in humility, he died in humility, he rose in glory. And, that, and that's, that's where humility often, or that's where all humility leads. If, if we humble ourselves and follow Christ, it leads to glory. Okay, us glorifying God and, 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 and even us being glorified. That's where it leads. And, and I think that that's the, the logical flow of Philippians 2, um, which makes verse 5, where, the verse where we started off, I know you thought I skipped over it, but I'm coming back to it. Um, it, it makes it so much more important. It says, um, starting in verse 5, have this mind in yourselves, which is the mind of Christ. So when it explains the humility of Christ, really um, the, the writer of Philippians is inviting us to have that humility in our lives. And so this, this Christmas season, as, as we're getting around our family and friends, man, I, I want to invite you to do that. Let's, let's aim to, to be like Christ, to go low, to be servant-hearted, um, to count others as more important than ourselves and, and really humble, humble ourselves as Christ did, knowing that it's going to lead to God the Father's glory and also to ours. Let's pray. Father God, we need your help with this. Um, we thank you for this ultimate, amazing picture of humility that we see in Christ. And, and really, we can only begin to see how, how amazing of a step it was for your son to come um, down as, as a rescuer, to come down in the likeness of human flesh. If, if he can travel that far from, from glorious, holy heaven above to this broken, sin-filled earth, I, I, can, I can travel next door to my neighbors. I can, man, I can, I can go low and serve my wife and my children. And so help us to do that, God. Help us to, to follow after Christ and his example and let us, let us be a light to this dark world. Let us be, be humble and let us live as Christ lived. In your name we pray, amen.